Hello everyone, and welcome back to Return to the Realm, a rereader's podcast for the Realm of the Elderling series by Robin Hobb. I'm Caillou, here with Alex and Leah, and today we're going to be going over uh, Assassin's Quest chapters 31 through 35, the penultimate episode of this book and also the entire trilogy. The... Wow. Mm-hmm. And thankfully that means that like stuff actually starts happening in this section, so we... We will be talking about actual events instead of just hopping all over. So, or hopping I mean, all over in, as much. I think well, yeah, we're, we're still are... gonna hop all over for sure. Mm-hmm. That's just a given. <laughs> yeah. No doubt, we'll start this talking about B or something like that. <laughs> Which, speaking of B, if you have no idea who that is, this is a spoilers all podcast. So, uh, this covers any and all of the sixteen books in the Realm of the Elderling series. So, if you haven't read uh, those. Uh, finish them up and then come back and listen to us or if you don't care about spoilers slash or finish the whole series then keep watching slash glad to have you um so yeah let's just hop right into it so the first chapter of the section is chapter 31 elf bark um essentially i, I think like the important part of this is uh, regal's coterie attempts to attack Fitz and the Fool through the use of the skill and Fitz forms a skill like forms or like strengthens his skill bond with the Fool in an effort to repel them but the Fool suffers like residual effects of the attack and the reason that the chapter is titled Elf Bark is because uh, when the Fool is being prescribed Elf Bark Fitz learns from Kettle that Elf bark is used to cripple or weaken the use of the skill, which is contrary to what he's thought the entire rest of the series. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so we just had the intro as to what the chapter was about. So, in the intro of the chapter, there's this whole thing about a prophecy that uh, the fool made years ago. And I just, I love how, like, it feels like Robin Hobb is just, like, so coy about the relationship between Fitz and the fool but then at some points is just like so explicit about it like it's like oh by his love he is betrayed and I'm like how else are you supposed to read that the one right. who loves him best like are you kidding me mm-hmm. his greatest love mm-hmm. it's not Molly it's not Shade or Burrich it's the fool mm-hmm. yep it's not even night eyes. Which yeah. That's wild, yeah. Well, I feel like it can't be because they are so connected that they're basically one being in two bodies. And that's why, like, there's yeah. no way that night eyes could ever even think of betraying fits like that without, or like, have the potential to betray fits like that without fits being well aware of it beforehand. Yeah fair they, they do also describe like fits and the fool as like one being separated into two bodies like a lot throughout the series though the, i guess it's like more like the fool has their own like opinions and viewpoint while night eyes while they do provide like a counterpoint to fits is been or yeah is like too much like has too much of fits's viewpoint sometimes or is too easily accommodating of fits to like push back on him well, and they well, share a mind almost 24-7, and with Fitz and the Fool, we only get them sharing minds 
very sporadically. I feel like we get it like once a series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, once a Yeah, and that's like, and because they don't share minds all the time, there is that like ability for miscommunication and misunderstanding, which is very common and follows fits around everywhere. It makes it more realistic as a result because yeah. it, it, right. it's. I feel like lots of times when you have these crazy like soulmates type romance stories, it's almost like larger than life or too good to be true. While the fits and the fools like thing is just like it's so like mo like steeped in like conflict and like stuff happening that it feels like yeah the, the, there it, it yeah it's just realistic. Yeah, it feels like a real relationship the way that they bicker or get insecure because they don't know what the other person is thinking like it's definitely things we've all felt or thought before i know this is hypocritical of me to say right after i was like we won't be hopping around but later on in the section there's a part where they like uh they have like a a skill connection and the fool is like you actually loved me i thought it was just like I thought you, were, you you like kind of thought me annoying or hated me, and and Fitz is like what? But yeah, it it shows that like we we never like because from Fitz's perspective, it's like duh, yeah, this is my best friend, this is my homie, this and it's like we just never get to see the roots of that insecurity with the fool. Yeah. Well, and Fitz is so like he knows what he feels, so he assumes everybody knows what he feels. He never says it. Like, I don't think there's any a point, ever a point where he says to the fool, like, you're my best friend. He's just, like, assumes that the fool knows that well, he yeah. values He even says in the previous section when they're walking, he's like, you know I love you. Like, no. None of us know no. that unless you actually say no, it. That's the first time Fitz has ever said that out loud to the fool. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that he thinks that all relationships work like his and Burrich do, where it's more about, like, the actions that you do for each other rather than the words you say. But then even in that relationship, it's There's so many misunderstandings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it makes sense that he would think that, because that's his only, like, example of a long-term relationship, really. But that's like riddled with issues as well also even shade who's like the example of like someone who like who's like primary like love language is talking or like giving it straight is makes so many assumptions about how fitz feels that fitz later has to like correct and be like no actually i was going through this and shade is like yeah. huh, i never thought about that i think that birch probably got better at vocalizing his like emotions and all of that stuff once he was with molly because i feel like he does talk more when we see him in tawny man and that could just be like him growing up and being yeah. more mature but i think it's also the fact that he was in this long-term relationship with a woman and like i feel like women are so much more like vocal about their feelings all the time and so having that in molly and nettle probably helped him realize oh like i need to talk about these things instead of just like chopping up wood for them and thinking that they know that i love them and molly doesn't take shit so i'm sure that like if 
courage wasn't being communicative, she probably would have been like, listen here, what bitch. What the fuck, bro? Yeah. <laughs> Use your words. Yes. And Bird's like, I've chopped a firewood and I've swaddled the baby. What more do you want from me? <laughs> Don't you know how I feel? I feel like it's Nettle who really helps him open up with his words because... Like, even when she's first born, he, like, holds her and he's, like, gushing over her already. And I think that it's just that, like, having a daughter is what did it. Even though, technically, like, she wasn't his daughter at that time. But, like, it was an instant love. Like, that's, I think, what only parents can really have. I guess on slightly like different angle this got me thinking i think it's also interesting that i think the presence of molly and like probably to a lesser extent the siblings but we see how like fitz kind of becomes like maladjusted or doesn't like div like develop social skills because he relies a lot on his magics to like communicate and nettle despite being so strong in skill and sort of like unconsciously using it doesn't go down that path and i feel like because she has like the supportive base of her siblings and parents to especially like Mo like fitz just has like no one and so he's like yeah this is this is just i don't need to talk to anyone i think it's also her lack of wit because i think the wit makes him feel so much more connected to people and animals and like every living thing around him that he like knows more without having to be told or without having to tell people but with nettle she only has the skill and with so many people being closed off from it or like not knowing about it it's harder for her to only rely on her magic rather than like it is for fits mm -hmm. yeah the wit is i guess more moment to moment while the skill is just like wow i had some weird dreams yeah Speaking of the wit and the skill, I love how Night Eyes envisions Fitz putting up his skill walls where Night Eyes is like, be small, and Fitz doesn't understand, so he's like crouching and like hiding, waiting for danger to come, and Night Eyes is like, you idiot, in your mind. Be small in your mind. I laughed out loud when I read that. I'm like, Fitz is so stupid. It makes me laugh. Yeah, and it's also like an interesting perspective because we never get to see, we usually don't get to see like I love outside of Fitz's how Night Eyes relates like human things. Yeah, all I was saying was just uh, we only get to see like Fitz's visualization or like cons like conceptualization of how some of these things work, and so it's interesting to see like Night Eyes come in and be like, "No, yeah, be small," and it's like it's a completely different thing from like the idea of putting up walls, but it's it. I just like the idea of like all of like these really like loosely defined things with like the skill and the wit and you're just like trying to make like real world parallels to them and how each character kind of does that and wondering if like if like because there we, we get like little glimpses of this but not really much but like if there's a character who like conceptualized like putting up walls as something different could they like would that actually change how they use the skill like it if instead of like putting up walls, like whoever taught them was like, it's being small, would that like change how, affect how they like do that process? Like, 
I'm sure. I bet, because I think that Verity makes Fitz actually visualize, like, putting bricks up to, like, make a wall when he's, like, staring into the fire. So I'm, I can imagine that they would just kind of, like, shrink inside themselves. And I think that Verity taught Fitz to, like, visualize putting up, like, bricks when he was staring into the fire to, like, make his walls go up. So that if someone else was to teach them to be small, they'd probably make them visualize, like, shrinking themselves in till they're, like, the size of a little pinprick inside their mind. So I'm sure that it would come off differently mm -hmm. to someone who's trying to, like, invade their mind with the skill or something like that. The skill is so cool, and I feel like it, it sucks that, like, the, the six duchies and just, like, the entire world is basically in the Dark Ages, because we just, we don't, like, it feels like there's so much that could be done with it, but we barely see the applications. Yeah. Like, even when you get to Tawny Man, let alone Fitz and the Fool, there's so much more that they're able to do with the yeah. skill. Um... Speaking of the skill, there's this, like, line that Kettle says that I think should be the new tagline for this trilogy. Oh, the prophet and the catalyst, and you are scarcely more than boys, green to manhood, untrained in skill, full of pranks and lovesick words. Mm. Like, yeah, that's basically the summary. Yeah, I actually love that. I thought it was going to be hers where she says something like the prophet and the catalyst more like the fool and the idiot or something like that. <laughs> because that, that one works perfectly just as much. Kettle has the best insults. Like, there's one where she wants, she's mad at Fitz for, like, talking too much, and she's like, is your tongue hinged in the middle so it flaps at both ends? <laughs> oh. I miss her when she goes. I know. We really don't get her for very long. I wish we got her in, like, the last book or something like that. But there's no way that she would be in Buckkeep or, like, even in Buck in general. I forgot that she's funny. Like, I was in... I really enjoy this book in particular because I feel like this out of the series is the book that has the most humor in it. Because, you know, getting on, like, Tawny Man, we don't have Night Eyes for most of the trilogy. Yeah. We still have the Fool, but, like, this main comedic characters are, like, Night Eyes, the Fool, and Kettle. And we have all three of them. Yeah. Look. Later on, we usually have, like, one or the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we kind of have none in Golden Fool, because, like, even though the Fool is there, like, Fitz, like, because of the fight like, Fitz gets into... Him. Yeah, and, like, they don't get back in good graces until, like, the very end of the book. And there's, like, nothing funny in Fitz and the Fool. It's just depressing the whole time. Yeah, except for one line about chewing Fitz's leg off. <laughs> that one cracks me up. Um... Yeah, and life just is, like, funny, but, like, not in the same way. There's not, like, right. as much, like, wit. It's just sort of, like, situational comedy. And I feel like Amber is so much more serious 
than any of the fool's other like personas. I mean, Lord Golden is, but Lord Golden is still sassy. And I feel like Amber is very like serious and I'm just here to get business done. I need to find, I think she's looking for Althea and well, never ends up finding her. I think she's looking for Wintro and she. Oh yeah. yeah she thinks she that, thinks that Althea is would lead her to him. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know Wintro like exists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know, but I feel, I almost feel like if I was reading the series without having read Kahneman, I might think that Jack was the fool, just because of how, like, body Jack is. I guess the fool isn't exactly body ever, but they're definitely, there's definitely, like, that element of just, like, comedy there. Yeah, definitely. But yes, speaking of, like, the green to manhood line, I love, like, right after that, the fool is like, oh ho, green manhood, you say? And it's just like, I really should have showed her. And it's just like, oh my god. I know. So funny. And right after I was like, the fool isn't that body. And then I remember that line. Never mind. (laughs) Yeah. The fool definitely is when they want to be. Right. Speaking of the fool, um, I totally thought that like, the coterie had kind of slipped into their mind earlier on, but it's not until Burl touches him. Mm-hmm. Touch- yeah. Yeah, I, I, I honestly assume that, like, at this point, the fool was, like, compromised, which doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, which also it's- means the line, what you know I can know, is all the fool. It's just the whole being that creepy, like, mind reader, let me finish your sentence kind of person. But it feels so off. Maybe they were just probing at that point, and they didn't actually, like, make the connection. I just, I, just, I don't know. I'm just, like, clinging think... to my theory. Well, I don't think the Coterie even had the fool on any of their radar, because they were looking for Fitz then, and even then they, like, I think also, like, the fool's like the way they look and stuff freaks like especially freaks regal out so there's no way that regal would search out the fool specifically and like want to join minds with them so i think it like scares regal and they that's why they pull out so quickly after like joining with the fool because they realize it's not fits and they're like this is unnatural like this is such a creepy like being yeah, don't they like squeal in disgust or something? They're like, it's that thing. They freak out, yeah. And you know that's all regal. They're all so stupid. I hate them. Yeah. One good thing did come out of that, though. It's when Fitz is like gathering up the fool and like bringing them back into their own mind, and he's like, I knew the fool's beauty and his power in the briefest of flashes of insight. In that moment, I understood and marveled at all that he was. And in the best, in the best I had forgotten in that understanding, I think I messed up that quote. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you get it. It was so sweet that, like, Fitz finally got a little bit of a glimpse into the fool's mind. 
it kind of sucks that like Fitz doesn't like because of how the spell works can't like retain like the exact thing just like gets like the the vibe yeah but, yeah Oh yeah, one thing that like really got me thinking is like I'm I'm just like constantly surprised by like how strong Verity is. Because like it's one of those things that like when you read this trilogy for the first time, it's just sort of like, okay, yeah, Verity's just sort of like the strongest. It's just a plot point. But then you keep reading and it's like there's not really anyone who can rival Verity. And then this is with him having been dulled by years of skill bark usage or elf bark usage. And like right. the series covers like four generations. Carrot. Mm-hmm. It's like Verity really was just the strongest skill user in like several generations. Well, well and if Verity says that chivalry was even stronger than him, and it was like being like ran over by a bull, if chivalry comes and kills you, like. That must have been intense. Right. Honestly, if chivalry had been trained like better or more, I feel like they they Regal and like whoever would never have been able to assassinate him. He would have just like sensed their intentions from like a mile away. For sure. Um I wonder Oh, sorry. <laughs> I wonder if Fitz would have been as strong if he hadn't been dosed with elf bark so early yes i think that if it wasn't him in his formative years right after being like scarred by galen it would have ended up differently right and i still really strong like i think probably right behind verity yeah yeah i wonder if i have always wondered this if like chivalry knew that there were assassination attempts out on his life and he just kind of gave in to them. Like, he didn't try to survive and didn't want to live anymore. And it was kind of like a little bit of suicide. Like, maybe he thought he'd be, Fitz would be safer if he wasn't there. Well, and I feel like he probably, like, it was the guilt and shame that he felt for, like, letting down his whole kingdom that he just couldn't, like, get back to that. And so he's like, there's no point. Like, I let everybody down. I might as well just go. So I mean, even if he knew very... about someone trying to kill him, he was like, okay, this is how it's going to go. It would be a very Fitz thing to do. Definitely. And I'm sure that it runs in the family. Mm-hmm. Right. The two reasons I feel like I don't really vibe with that are, one, I feel like he wouldn't leave patience. Like, I feel like he cares way too much about patience for that. And two, because he's, like, still, he's still, like, checking in on Fitz through Verity. So, like, there's still, like, that aspect of, like, I want to be around and involved and, like, care about Fitz. I feel like if he was, like, that, like, despondent, he he wouldn't even be keeping in touch at that point. He would just be like, I'm in exile. Yeah. Though it's definitely one of those things where, like, I almost I could see like Fitz thinking that because it's one of those things where like like we just don't have enough information about Fitz chivalry. Would do it so he can imagine someone else doing it. And it, it and like there's enough that fits because it is very like 
like someone who's like straight laced to a fault is like, oh, I have broken the code. The yeah. my honor. Which is kind of the impression that we get from lots Chivalry. of people. Yeah, lots of people. And Fitz tends to, like, for some reason, respect the opinions of random people more so than, like, Verity and everyone who are like, yeah, she'll <laughs> Chivalry was actually a human being and not just a rock. <laughs> and he's like, silly Burrich, silly Verity. I think it's just because Chivalry, like, had the strength to stay away from Fitz. So he automatically thinks that he ha like chivalry had this inhuman ability to like stay the course constantly because you know that Fitz can't do that. Like the second he hears that Molly like had a baby and it's his, he immediately tries to go off and find her. Well, he can't even stay out of like their dreams unintentionally like dutiful is having like dreams of a man and a wolf when he's like two yeah and nettle is like knows him as like the wolf man mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting because i feel like that's that's almost like fitz's what fitz ta takes away from chivalry is like like that's his honor right like that's his he's like my purpose as a person is to like look after and care for these people it's yeah. just that like he has a completely different perspective than what chivalry did on how to apply them definitely so back to this chapter <laughs> <laughs> um, starling is like kind of being a dick and like she's uncomfortable with Night Eyes knowing everything, so she's like, oh, how's Molly gonna feel about that? And is she gonna send, make you send him away or something like that? And like... It's, it's really not fair to Stumpy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> For reference, um, if you translate... <laughs> Fitz's name in the Spanish version of the books in Google Translate translates. <laughs> so why? It translates to Stumpy. <laughs> yeah, um, I forget He's what the exact quote, quote, quote was, but like we had, we had uh, one listener who commented in Spanish, which thank you so much. We always love to hear from our listeners, and yeah, um, I think we like yeah we. we Put it into Google Translate, and it's like Starling is very important to Stumpy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, I don't know why, but it just gets me. I think it's so funny. Um, but anyways, she she's being rude, and it really bothers Night Eyes. Like Night Eyes is not one to hold on to anything it's like super against his nature but he holds on to this for like several chapters which is a cute but also sad but because so, you know that it's worrying him so much yeah like it to have him remember it and dwell on it when it's like something in the future 
something that might not even happen and he's right. like sitting here like so are mm-hmm. you gonna send me away like right. what do i do can i go to a like, then? Yeah. and then fitz is like i'm not gonna think about it i'm the wolf yeah right. they reverse roles for sure do you guys think fitz would send night eyes away if molly demanded it i think he would tell himself he was going to and tell molly he was going to and then just like procrastinate doing it forever he would be like, you can't be in the house, but I'll go hunting with you every day. Yeah, exactly. And like, exactly. like honey, I'm going hunting. Yeah. It's yeah. like, Fitz, there's a, there's wolf, there's like, there's bite marks on this boar. And he's like, wow, you know, yeah, I really chomped down on that boar when I was running after <laughs> it. It wasn't anything. I think the horse bit him. <laughs> Actually, we should really get that horse checked out, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's got sharper teeth than normal. Yeah, you know, Burge told me about that. You know, really rare horse condition. Just... Dang! Just bring Burge up like that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Something I noticed that I didn't notice before is I feel like Fitz has stopped really having skill headaches because... He doesn't have one, or at least doesn't mention one when he's done saving the fool. But he still takes elf bark anyways, which makes me so annoyed with him. It makes me wonder if the elf bark was like partially, if it was like an elf bark addiction thing. Like if I don't have coffee when I wake up, I get a headache because my body's. That's what I was thinking. He's so used to having a headache after skilling and taking elf bark to fix it. That it's just like a psychological thing at that point. Right. Yeah. And it's weird because like I never like when I first read the series, I like I didn't even clock it as like an addiction. Even though like he explicitly says like I'm addicted to elf bark. I have a dependency on elf bark. I was just like, Well, from his perspective, it doesn't seem like it. But then like when you reread it, it's like it's really obvious that he's making excuses for himself. Yeah. Yeah, but he didn't have a headache at all, which is like he should have realize that and like not take an elf arc out of fear like i would much rather be strong enough to try and fight off my attackers than dull my skills hope in the hopes that they'll like not be able to knock down my walls or whatever he's just making bad decisions oh so business as usual then yeah, that's the fucking truth. And Lord knows he's going to blame them on everybody else or blame them on some stupid things that he doesn't think, that he thinks are more serious than they are. Oh, it's, Shade, it's Shade's fault for getting me addicted to Elf Bark, which, okay, it doesn't matter. It, but <laughs> right. You can't blame everything on your upbringing, Fitz. Sometimes you need to take agency over it now that you are an adult. Please. My last note for this chapter is just a line that I didn't clock on the first reads of this book, but I that I found really impactful here. It's about um, Fitz is, has been talking to Ketrickin, who's like essentially restating her conviction to go and find uh, Verity, and that Verity is alive. Um, and uh, Fitz says of her, she tried to put faith into her gaze and her voice. I heard only courage. Which is kind of it's it's a it's like tinged with sadness, but it's also this like 
it's like it reinforces how much I love Ketrigan as just this character who's like very human but also within that is able to like be so strong and like put so much of herself out there yeah because it's like it's not like she has constant faith 24 7 she has her doubts but she still has like that bravery and other valuable traits that keep her going and her strength she is like strong beyond reason i feel Mm -hmm. there's no way that i feel like i would be that strong and like have that will to continue just on the whim that like my husband's still alive just because somebody else said through some magical link that i have no understanding of they like communicated Mm -hmm. and i love that like later she like talks to fitz about that she's like this fucking sucks i like i don't feel close to him and you and you've got this magic way of like just reading his mind and like why do why can't i have that I know, I feel so bad for her then. I feel bad for her in this whole section. Like, it yeah. would really suck to be Ketrigan in this whole section. Yes. Yeah, and it's definitely, like, it's it's kind of jarring at the start when she's being kind of a dick to Fitz. But, like... Mm-hmm. Like, she's barely holding it together for lots of this. Yes. Yeah, she really is. It's lucky she came out sane from this whole situation. Mm-hmm. And because I just... could see like just not insanity right out. Mm-hmm. And not just sane, but that like the most empathy of like anyone in the series potentially, like yeah. with with how she reaches out to the witted people in or the old blood in uh, Tanyan. Yeah. So moving on to chapter 32, Caitlin Beach. Um, so in this chapter, uh, they continue uh, traveling, come across uh, a hot springs, and the fool uh, being possessed by, uh, through the skill by Regal and the Coterie after their last interaction, um, comes through and essentially weasels uh, molly and burge's location out of uh fits and fits in the process uh completely misinterprets what the fool is saying and thinks he's about to die and that changes his entire life perspective <laughs> but you know and one healer oh sorry go ahead alex i just feel like it's so obvious what's going on here that it's so difficult to watch Fitz believe that it's just the fool talking. It's really obvious to me now, but, like, I remember when I read it the first time, I was just like, the fool's acting weird. Yes. I just brushed it it off like Fitz. Right, right. But when you know, it's so obvious, especially when he, like, brings his hand up to his mouth and he's crying and, like, his other hand's, like, pulling his hand away. Yes. And he doesn't even call Molly by her name. He's like that candle girl. Yeah. Like, he knows her name, and he's never called her anything like that before. That should have been the biggest red flag. That, that reminds me, like, last chapter, um, instead of calling Night Eyes by name, he says, like, I'll come hunting with you if the wolf uh, will let me, or something like that. And that also felt like a hmm moment. Yeah. Yeah. 
I wonder if the hot springs they're in are one of the same ones that all the dragons vibe in in um, Rain Wilds. I didn't think about that. Going to Calsingra. Yes. I always picture these, like, journeys being on two different, like, parts of the world, but they Mm -hmm. are basically the same journey, so it would make sense that they're all hanging out in the same spots. Right. And that, like, geographic formations would be similar. Yeah. It's it's because, like, the Rainwilds are just, like, this is the weird and wacky part of the world. Mm -hmm. And then, which, which, like, has messed up my... Like my inter- my internal map of like the world of realm of the Eldwins is so it's so off. Yeah, same. Well, it's hard too because the rain wilds aren't like very accu- accurately reflected on any of the maps in the books because no one knows. Like the rain wilds are a very well kept secret, and they're so thick that even it's like inhabitants can't really. Right. do anything aside from like where they live like Fitz doesn't even know that people live in the rain wilds because I remember he says something about like walking up the rain wild river and tawny man and um the fool mentions people living there he's like no one lives in the rain wilds you can't live there yeah because <laughs> yeah, he he just kind of like goes along the coast and he's like wow this is like some really bad water and like really creepy shores but he's like my boots are eaten by acid i'm turning around now Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know he really had to be hit on the head with all of the omens to be like "Hmm, maybe i should make the good decision and not keep going (laughs) right um speaking of like weird stuff um this is not something that like I was I kind of just like glossed over this the first time I read it, but uh, they're like continuing on their journey, and then there's like this weird bridge, and Fitz is like I could not identify what it was wrought from, whether true metal or strange stone, for it had more the look of a spun thread than hammered metal or chiseled rock, and it's like is this like honest to god suspension bridge with cable, like that's what it sounds like. It... Oh, I didn't even think of it like that. I just thought it was like made of pure <laughs> silver, and that because you know how. The fool's fingertips, they went from that really shiny silver to, like, a powdery gray. I think Fitz, like, describes them as, like, actually powdery gray. Mm -hmm. So that's what it kind of brought up for me, is it's just very, very old, like, silver. Yeah. That that also makes sense from what we know of the Elder Ones, because that's how they make everything. They they use the skill. So... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think I just like glossed over that because <laughs> I do vaguely remember Buckkeep Radio maybe talking about that. Um but I don't remember reading it. So I'm I think I just pictured like a stone bridge, even though it's explicitly says that it's not stone. Yeah. <laughs> you had a fits moment. Right. I was like, I'm gonna picture whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I do that with books so much. Because yeah, I do too. Yeah. I've had lots of moments where, I, where it's like, this character's hair is, like, blonde. And I'm like, cool. Nope. It, I've imagined it as black, so it's black forever. Yes. Yep. <clears throat> Same. 
going back to the fool's possession, I was wondering if, like, because the fool is described as being, like, really rude in this chapter, and I wonder if it's, like, not just a product of the elf bark, like, fits things, but also, like, Regal and the Coterie being like, okay, we we have to be inconspicuous, we have to act like a jester. What does a jester do? And they're just really mean-spirited assholes. So yeah. they're just like, all of their jokes suck. I believe that. That or, like, do you think they're smart enough to try to sow dissension amongst the group? Honestly, yeah. I, I could see it. <laughs> <laughs> That's too smart. That's too smart for Regal. Like, I just can't see him doing that. Unless some, I think if Galen was still alive, I would say yes. But because Galen isn't, and I think he was the like sneakier version of Regal, I can't see them being like. I could see like Will's influence, like playing yeah, a part. Yeah, I think Will might be smart enough. But do you think that Regal listens to any... Like, I don't think anybody's allowed to give Regal advice. No. So unless Will was, like, absentmindedly thinking of it while Regal was, like, in his mind, that's the only way that it would have come to his attention, I think. Mm-hmm. But also, to be fair, I, I feel like Regal deserves a little bit of credit. I feel like he he's, he's kind of dumb, but we've constantly seen he's like he's like once he's like one level above our our protagonists yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's true in this chapter Ketrickin also gets her wolf name did you guys notice God. the high bitch yes <laughs> much better than the howling bitch that's for sure See, this is just, uh, this is also another way that uh, Night Ice is saying that he wants uh, Fitz and Ketrickin to get together, because the last section we were yeah. talking about how Fitz was really high on the skill road. And so, <laughs> Different high, but yes. But, you know, there's a connection there, for sure. Definitely not uh, a stretch. Well, I think and High Bitch, like, she's the best one. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, he's like, Get with her. Mm-hmm. I love like just because Night Eyes is like, yeah, you know, like I can communicate with the fool and and Ketrickin, and I love it's just like the little pack of people who can actually talk to Night Eyes grows. And I know I love it. He becomes he so like, much less alone because he was like, I can only talk to them through you, and now it's like he has he has like some form of direct communication. And he like. It annoys Fitz so much, and I wonder if it annoys Fitz because he feels like he'll be useless if he's not there to be, like, the communication between Night Eyes and everyone else, or if he's, like, jealous that other people are trying to, like, reach out to his wolf or something like that. I feel like it'd be, like, if you introduced your two best friends that didn't know each other, and then they started hanging out without you. Yes. <laughs> like, um, extreme rude. Like, you guys wouldn't even know each other if it weren't for me. Yeah, I exactly could see that. those vibes. Yeah. I did not have very many notes for this chapter. I was just like in the zone. Yeah, I think I have two more, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah, I don't have any more, so just hit us, Alex. Um. Both of mine are about Night Eyes because he's the best person I've ever met and I love him so much. <laughs> the like, best 
person you've ever met. Yeah, and he's not even a real person person. Um, In multiple ways. One, <laughs> he's a wolf. Two, he's not real. So you've never met him. He is real because he's from that world that Robin Hobb traveled to to, like, meet everybody and write the book. You know, it's so true. Yeah. Sorry, how could I forget? Yeah, duh. Show some respect to my boy. I want Robin Hobb to, like, pull a Bill and Ted and somehow bring these characters via magic telephone booth into our reality. Yes. Oh, my God. I would die. <laughs> I would stalk them until they became friends with me. Yeah, they would have a restraining order against me. <laughs> they would have a restraining order against a lot of people, I think. I would actually but... die because I would, like, run into Regal or something. and Oh, yeah. Mm. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, you're that asshole. And he's like, oh, okay, I see how it is. And he'll just, like, send some assassin after me. Not safe or good. One of my notes was Fitz is, like, sleeping in the like i almost called it a hot tub what is it hot spring <laughs> He's it's, hot it's, tub. it's basically <laughs> a hot tub and night eyes is like oh yeah i'll watch you like she ketra can ask me to keep an eye on you or whatever and the fool sneaks up on him and fitz is like some guardian i observed to the fool and then night eyes is like he has no scent and walks lighter than falling snow and i was like oh that's so cute. I love when Night Eyes complains and stuff. He's just, like, my favorite. I love him. Mm-hmm. I love yeah, how later, is. like, Night Eyes is like, the fool is great for hunting. They can't smell him. And he's just like, you see, if, if even I can't detect detect them, must be an amazing yeah. hunter. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the last one is when, it's. I think it's, like, one of the very last lines in this chapter Night Eyes is like, hello, fool, my ears itch. And then outside the tent, the fool reached on and suddenly scratched the wolf's ears. And I was like, oh, my God, I love that so freaking much. Because Night Eyes, like, directly addresses the fool. And then the fool does exactly what he asks. Yep. I just loved it. I forgot how much of a connection the fool and Night Eyes build. Because in this book, because when we get to Fool's Errand, like, I know that they have their roles and whatnot where they're playing, like, Fitz's servant to the Fool and the Fool can't care that much about Fitz's emotions or whatever. But, like, the Fool seems pretty unfazed by Night Eyes' death and they're, like, old friends. I know, I was thinking the same thing. I wish we got a little bit more of what the fool was feeling or whatnot, because they have, like, private moments together, but I think Fitz is just so consumed that he can't really, like, acknowledge or understand other people's feelings about it. Yeah. And I don't think he even wants to process Night Eyes' death himself. So, like, the last thing he wants is anybody giving him sympathy about it. Right. Yeah, the only one he kind of lets in is Dutiful, because there's, like, that direct thing of having the same experience. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, I honestly am surprised that, like, I didn't notice, but yeah, the Fool doesn't really show up at the end of that book after that. No. I really don't. I think I was just too consumed in, like, Night Eyes to, like, Yeah, care about I was too- 
It's too depressing. Mm-hmm. I am dreading us reading that book. See, this like, is this is the best yeah. argument for reading Life Shits before time ends. Yes. Yep. We can build it up. I feel like... Unfortunately, it's not an argument I can actually tell someone who finishes. Right. Just trust me, you're gonna want to drag it out. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's it. That's all I had. Okay, so (laughs) the next chapter is chapter 33, The Quarry. Um, In this chapter, they finally reach, uh, like the end of their destination they found Verity um but it's all is not as they were hoping he's super like absent-minded slash not all there and instead of some magical weapon to defeat the red ships they just find him uh carving a stone dragon and very anticlimactic mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I was so mad when I first read this book. I was just like, I got all I read. They traveled all this way, and then this is what I get? And they're just sitting around for a few chapters? And now, okay, I appreciate it. But I definitely, the first time, I was like, this sucks. Yeah, I think I felt similar to Fitz, where I was, like, annoyed that Verity wasn't all there and, like, kept getting distracted and like going back to carving his dragon i was like what are you doing like that's so rude pay attention to us we've traveled so far and suffered so much for you Mm. but now all i can see is like how much it's costing verity and i'm like somebody help him already please yeah like seeing the i forgot that there were like half-formed dragons in the cave like yeah and that puts into perspective like how strong Verity is to like make a whole dragon himself. Yeah. And also I was always thinking right. of like girl on a dragon as like the fail case. And so I forgot that no, you can just end up with dragon blob and you're trapped in like half life forever. I know. How scary. Mm-hmm. Right. Speaking of Verity. It would be bad to. It sucks for everybody to come all that way and Verity's like crazy carving a dragon, but like Petal understands what's going on. The fool has faith that what's going on is going to work out. It's like is just kind of frustrated, but like Ketrigan has put all her eggs into this basket and her husband, like doesn't seem to care or even realize that she's there. I know. Feels this like heartbreaking, like our child is gone, and Verity's like, "What? Oh, <clears throat> just like <laughs> seemingly unbothered. Like I, oh, I just feel so bad for her in this part. He really you gives know. her the damn. That sucks. <laughs> like." Right. Yeah. <laughs> Bad. Like, I remember being so mad at Verity being a fucking asshole before I knew that he was like forging himself mm-hmm. and had put all of his feelings about it in the dragon already. Just like, how dare you? I love when he breaks down and tells her that he's like, how could you think I wouldn't know the second that it happened? Like that, I feel would make her feel so much better because she's been carrying around this guilt for so, so long. And to like, 
have in the back of her mind that Verity was kind of with her during the hardest moment of her life, even though she couldn't feel him. Like, he witnessed that and was, like, there for her and, like, held space and, like, grief for her. Like, that must have been such a healing thing for her, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, I found a nettle watch in this chapter. Uh, I don't remember who says it, though, because I quoted, I put the quote in and then didn't put who says it. It's very, <laughs> and I, I know because yeah, the rest of your comment mentions it. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah. So he says, nettle tea. My mother used to give us nettle tea as a spring tonic. Um, and... It's cute that, like, without knowing, Molly names Fitz's daughter after something that, like, has been in the family for a while. Yeah, Nettle's great-grandmother would make for her grandfather and her granduncle when they were, like, kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is It would be cute if, like, at some point, like, earlier in the series, like, Fitz, like, like, like... Verity, when Verity, like, took skill strength from Fitz, maybe, like, if he brewed nettle tea for Fitz at that point, that would have been a cool callback. Yeah. Yep. It would have. I wish we got a little bit more glimpses of Queen Constance, because she seemed awesome. Yeah, but she was, like, long dead when Fitz was even born, right? Yeah, I think she died when chivalry and verity were like probably preteens. Yeah, I thought they were like 13 or something. <clears throat> Cuz and she dies in childbirth, doesn't she? Yeah. Wait, or was that Shrewd's mom? I think that was Shrewd's oh. mom. Cuz I think he like when he's dying, he's like, "Yeah, she died uh, along with his sister that like she was right. Hearing. Does Constance get blood plague? Is that what it was? Maybe. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. It affected a lot of people, I think. I think the timeline like, of that. Any unidentified old death. It's the blood plague. <laughs> Apparently, I've already Googled this because I typed in Queen Constance and in my search history came Queen Constance R O T E. So we, we there was something else we, we definitely we... talked about this. We just have the memory of goldfish. <laughs> Someone's screaming at us listening to this. Like, you guys already investigated. <laughs> Whoops. You know, we're out here slandering Fitz. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess while, while you're looking that up, um, this, in the intro of this chapter, they talk about the flying chair. Which is something I feel like they talk about a few times in the series, but it's mostly as a magic that's independent from like the skill wit dichotomy thing. Um, and I don't know if there's anything ever more significant with regard to it, or, or is it just like kind of like a minor world building piece? I don't remember anything really about it. I, I feel like it's probably lumped in with like the hedge magics and stuff like that. <clears throat> To the Realm of the Elderlings wiki, it says she died of a birth fever with her infant daughter, and her husband was young enough to take a second wife, Queen Desire. Her infant daughter? 
Oh, she. Well, oh, did... oh, her daughter also died. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they How both. How long ago was the blood plague then? Because didn't like Birch okay. lose his parents in the blood plague or something like that? Um, I think. I don't remember if Birch does, but I know that like Althea's brothers all died. Yes. So it wasn't a it wasn't a crazy assumption on my part around. No, it was a fever. It was a birth fever. So maybe it was like. I don't really know what a birth fever means. I'm guessing it was like an infection. Like she yeah. got an infection from giving birth, mm-hmm. and then somehow passed on to her daughter. Joke. And like, you know that they did it with like a crowd full of people for sure back in that time. Right. And no a healer. Like, sanitization. Yeah. I think Birch is the best midwife they have. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that frustrates me about this chapter, and I get it because when I was first reading it, I also felt like frustrated the way that Fitz feels. But, um, I just think that Fitz should have more faith than he does in, like, Verity and Kettle. Because they both have a lot more skill knowledge than he does. And they're both telling him that, like, they're carving a dragon putting me- with skill and putting memories into it. But Fitz just writes both of them off. Like, you're being crazy. And it's like... If someone that had, like, a bachelor's degree in something was telling me that they were doing it for XYZ reason and it was going to have a result, I'd be like, okay, you know more about it than I do. Mm-hmm. And instead, Fitz is like, you're nuts. <laughs> I think that it's understandable for him to write off Kettle. Because Kettle doesn't share any information with them for the longest time and, like, keeps everybody in the dark but I think that it is wrong of him to, like, doubt Verity. But it is understandable that he thinks that Verity's mind is going, and that's why he's, like, carving this dragon, because he's, like, been through way too much. And he, like, saw them in the garden and thinks that it'll help. But I think that when Verity does become a little bit more lucid, he should have realized that, like, Verity has a plan, I just need to help him follow through. Mm-hmm. Right. Unlike well, everyone like, else, he he can like feel through the whip like that there's something going on. Yeah. And, and he's just like, ah, eh, that's that's weird. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I don't oh think I have gosh. anything else for this chapter. I was just kind of like rereading it again is just so painful. It is. A couple of things. Alex, I just saw your note about like how does Verity pee. It must how be so uncomfortable. I try, like, when I'm in bed, I read something somewhere where you're, like, if you're falling asleep, like, your body will make you, like, have a random itch or, like, make you uncomfortable so you shift to, like, make sure that you're still awake or something. So when I'm going to sleep, I try my best to just be, like, so still. And I cannot resist itching. Like, if there's an itch on my body, I have to scratch it or it drives me nuts. And I can't imagine not being able to scratch it like that is the worst form of torture 
and poor Verity must live with that. Like, and he has a little piece where he like scratched on his cheek, so he's got to have silver all over where he like had little itchies and he had to scratch. Especially because well, like, he's he like, won't... no. I was just like, he's like throwing <laughs> up all like that. the he's throwing up all the dust from like chiseling and stuff, which yeah. will definitely I I would definitely like. That would get in my nose, and I'd be, like, absentmindedly scratching my nose or something. It's like, whoops. Yes. Now everything right. I smell is silvered. Which would be so weird. Mm. You even, like, scratch in your sleep. Like, yeah. Like, if there's an itch on your head, you're not going to wake up and scratch it. You, like, do things inadvertently while you're sleeping. Like, and then your note about how does he pee. Like, does he just, like, shake until his pants come down? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. He's allowed to touch his clothes because his clothes, like, it, the silver doesn't transfer off on stuff that's not living. So he can touch his clothes, oh. but you know he's got to, like, grab them from the outside and, like, pull them down. And then how does, he, like, has to give himself a wedgie to pull his pants back up. Because he can't just, like, reach in the waistband and, like, pull them up or else he's going to touch his whole, like, hip and everything. He's really got it rougher than we <laughs> the, thought. The reason he's aged so much is just the logistics of trying to live with silver. Right. <laughs> you should have only scaled one hand. At least he's yeah. a boy, though. It's easier for boys to pee than girls. Without, you, like, you just have to sit there for, like, ten minutes when you were done. <laughs> yeah. Waiting for everything to dry off. Yes. <laughs> the struggle. And then my last note is just the parallel between like Verity carving his dragon and Fitz and how they both think that they can do it on their own and then they can't. Right. But and neither of them ask for help. Crazy kind of and like manic and on their deathbed. Yes. Mm -hmm. Ugh. They're really Sometimes Verity's they on want... his deathbed because of carving the dragon, technically. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, and because of all the, like, nitpicking that Coterie has been doing. Mm, and, like, stealing supplies and shit. Oh, right, but that reminds me. Like, there's a mention in this chapter that, like, killing with the skill, like, it damages or... away part of your skill. Yeah, like, is there more of this later? Because I feel like I don't remember yeah. being... Okay. I don't remember it being, like, elaborated on. I was just, I was just, like... Like, is it just like, oh, you, like, feel their last moments and that sucks or something? Well, I think it's in, like, the last chapter of this section where Fitz realizes how to unlock Kettle's, um, like, skill. It's because he understands, like, the pain that she went through and all of that stuff in killing with the skill. She, like, killed a part of herself. Yeah. Along with Gull. Mm-hmm. Gull, I'm sorry, is a terrible name for a person. I like, know. Kestrel, you could get away with. Kestrel's kind of cute or pretty. Like Pigeon would have been better. I'd be so mad if my sister's name was Kestrel and my name was Gull. <laughs> no, like Seagull. And then Kestrel kills her? Poor it's Gull. A nerve. Her life it sounds miserable. 
then Pixis like has the audacity to be like, Gull still loves you. Meanwhile, Gull in Gull in the afterlife. If I were Gull, I'd be like, fuck that. I don't love her. Her name is better and she killed me. That's such a sibling thing to do though, too. To like be mad about like the names. Mom loved you better because she named you a nice name. I got an ugly name. Because I'm gonna sleep with your boyfriend. My name is Gull. Is Gull is Gull worse than Pigeon? I feel like Gull is better than Pigeon. I'd rather have Pigeon. Name me Pigeon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just just gonna open up the next episode with like, hello everyone and welcome back to Return to the Realm. Uh, I'm Kai. I'm here with Pigeon and Leah. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's fine. I think that pigeons are city seagulls, and I think city seagulls are a little bit better. They're quieter. And they're less bold. Like, I was in Seattle, and a seagull came and sat on my table and eyeballed me while I was eating to try and steal my food. I'm like, we are not on a date. Please give me some space. I think seagull would be a better name than just gull. Yeah, because you could nickname her C. Yeah. You would want to be called C? And then, like, I feel like C two, is just, like, syllables. the lamest name. Yeah. Two syllables is better than one syllable. Yeah, and what's she gonna get called when she's in trouble? Go! Like, that just sounds <laughs> horrible. So bad. No. No, thank you. Poor, screw everybody else in this book. The true victim is Gull. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. That's the damn truth. Justice for Gull. <laughs> you know who else has a one syllable name? Fitz. Well, no, his, name his is full name is Fitz Chivalry. Chivalry. How many is that? Fitz. That's three. <laughs> Chivalry. No, that's it. It's four. Yeah. Four. four, four. <laughs> I'm so stupid. I can't clap and count. <laughs> that's okay. I clap like different syllables each time. So like I could make it three syllables one time and then four <laughs> syllables the next time if I like think it sounds better. We can't count. We have no rhythm. We can't pronounce <laughs> anything. But we Welcome can. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> This reminds there's a comment on uh, Reddit from our last post that like they they the person was like I've been pronouncing it Burrick my entire life and now I can't uh, say it I, I can't like say it that way anymore thanks and I'm like because of us <laughs> yeah and I'm like we could be the ones pronouncing it wrong we'll never know well I never heard of it pronounced Burrick until someone posted on Instagram a video and was like here's how different countries pronounce like the like realm of the elderlings names and i think that like the uk pronounces it burrick and the u.s pronounces it burrich um well, I, I, I would love just like one of those for b it's just like b b right. yes <laughs> um i listened to the audiobook and i'm pretty sure that they like consult the author about pronunciations um when it's like official audiobooks and the guy says rich so i'm guessing but we were right but and they were wrong we talk about sorry audiobooks earlier and they had like a whack pronunciation of shade am i crazy they no, said shade i think but i think it is shade isn't it yeah, yeah, because so the, we, we can never be sure. So maybe that 
Maybe that isn't. Let's look up Robin Hobb saying Burridge. Yes. I need to just get a video of her saying all of her characters' names. Some of them are easy. Like, I feel like you can't pronounce Ketrickin any differently. No, but the I, rest I, are like, who knows? God. I mean, I'm trying to think of how you pronounce Ketrickin differently, but I'm sure there's someone out there. Ketterickin. Ketterickin. <laughs> okay. Or chicken. I don't see anything that's just like Ket- a quick soundbite of her saying that word. Yeah. But I'll watch one of her. Um... Oh, that's funny. There's. I'll take a screenshot of this and send it. Um, the first thing that came up was this event that I actually went to in 2017 Whoa. or 2014, and that's how I found out about these books. Oh, nice. Um, Full circle. Right. I feel like I watched a video about this for sure. Of like her talking there. Right. <clears throat> it was interesting. But yeah, I don't think I have any more notes for this chapter. I don't. No, I don't think I have anything. Okay. So going to chapter 34, Girl on a Dragon. So. This is sort of in the aftermath of the sort of anticlimactic yet stunning uh, meeting with Verity last chapter. Um, The gang sort of wanders about aimlessly um, for a while. Uh, The fool, after being warned by Kettle not to touch Verity, uh, touches Verity and gets some silver on uh, their fingertips, which will last for the rest of their lives. and I guess the other important things are we talked earlier about Ketrickin and Verity talking about the loss of their child that happened this chapter. Um, and the reason this, this uh, chapter is called Girl on Dragon is because the fool goes around touching a bunch of stuff with his silver fingers and touches Girl on a Dragon, which has lasting consequences to them. Yes. all of my notes this chapter are just about the fool just half of mine are the fool and half of mine are ketrican mm, fair um my first note is uh the fool says the dragons are the elderlings and which is wrong yeah i feel like if anyone should know that's wrong it should be like it should be him but I guess he doesn't know everything, even with, like, the prophecy stuff. Though also, I feel like yeah. when, when he doesn't know something, I suspect it's because Hob didn't know at this point. But I might just be wrong. Well, I think the fool's blundering around just as much as Fitz is, because they do say, like, it's easier to piece, or to, like, fit a prophecy to events after they've happened. And the fool knows that they need to bring dragons back to the world, but... Like, I don't think they understand, like, what the culture was around dragons and, like, what elderlings were and all that stuff. So they're kind of just going along with whatever Fitz is saying, Mm -hmm. thinking that Fitz is smart. Big mistake. (laughs) Um, um, So, yeah. um, I guess speaking of the fool and dragons, there's a line here where 
the the fool is like he looked at me curiously and do not believe there are real dragons today and it's like hmm like the fool is like you don't believe in my entire life's mission like yeah thing it's almost seems like it's a throwaway line i feel like at this point where it's like yeah okay we we like whatever about dragons like maybe there are but like we had no indication of them so far but but then we see the serpents in like live ships mm-hmm. and though we don't understand like where they're coming from or anything like that like those are pre-dragon dragons and then the people in live ships like the traders are killing real dragons so there could have been real dragons right now if like some minor circumstances were different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, when I first read the series, I was like, yeah, fucking whatever. Like, there's stone dragons. Why, why are you asking about real dragons? I don't get it. And then, like, it's like, oh, no, yeah, your entire life's mission. I get it why you care about this now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember... Um when Tintaglia started showing up in Tawny Man because I hadn't read Live Ships, I was like, what the fuck? Real dragons are getting involved in this story? Like, I didn't know this was a dragon book. (laughs) It's like, it's very much a dragon book. (laughs) Yeah, it's a dragon everything. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's the same way where I told Julia, like, you know, the main message of this entire series is, like, environmentalism and preserve and preserving uh, endangered species and it's just like what are you talking about right you really don't get it until you get later on um i think my only note for this chapter was i was just like as i was reading musing on how different things would have been if kettle like when verity's looking for her other skill users in royal assassin i think it is and no one like really answers the call so he thinks they're all dead mm-hmm. like I wonder how different it would have been if Kettle had shown up then, because he, Verity, could have like unlocked her right away, and given how powerful she is, she probably would have been able to figure out pretty quickly that the coterie was like not loyal. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think she even heard the call because she's so closed off to the skill that she just can't even like receive messages anymore. And wasn't she, like, banned from Buck? She's, like, hasn't yeah. been in Buck. Which it's, like... It's more wild. Like, once everyone's dead, why wouldn't you come back? Like, she, like, basically self-exiled herself. Yeah. Everyone's I mean, it's been dead for, like, 250 whole, like, years. Because, like, lots of her, like, actions are just, like... She has trauma, plus, like, the trauma's been, like, skill-burned into her because of the shame thing. It's probably just that. Yeah, and she does it to herself, too, which is exactly something Fitz would do. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of notes. Well, speaking of Kettle, there's one comment that cracked me up. Um, Fitz, like, observes that Kettle attacked her food as if it had done her a personal wrong, and I laughed out loud. I'm like, that's so fucking funny, because I can just picture her scowling at her food, being so angry, and just eating it. Mm-hmm. She's just such, such a grumpy little, like... That's kind of the energy I want to, like, exude as an old lady. <laughs> like, softy, but, like, also a grouch and, like, sassy. 
I didn't really think about this before, but now thinking of, like, because, like, the name Kestrel, just, like, imagining all of, like, Kettle's actions through, like, the lens of, like, would a bird do this? It's just, like... (laughs) We should have done that this whole time. We missed out. A bird can do a lot of what he does. (laughs) When we start the cycle again, we'll remember. Mm -hmm. Bird watch. (laughs) Oh, no, that's that actually works. (laughs) and we'll rename our next podcast justice for gull yes please (laughs) i love it or stumpy's revenge (laughs) (laughs) no it's gotta be stumpy's revenge and justice for gull Mm -hmm. oh my god (laughs) so good i love that but then the people like if it gets translated into Spanish, they won't think anything of it because it'll be like translated the same name, I think. So is, it, is it actually Stumpy or is that just like one of those things where like they translate like the syllables or whatever and like it doesn't quite work out? I don't, I don't know. know. All I know is that I translated what Alex replied. <laughs> I was curious and it says Alex and Leah hate Starling, but know that she is useful to Stumpy. <laughs> She's of great use to the stump. <laughs> this, this, like, this had me thinking, because, like, I feel like all of, like, the adults in Fitz's life are always, like, horrified when they're, like, they called you Fitz, they called you the bastard, they called you boy, and it's, like, I feel like Stumpy would be more insulting than any of those. Yes. <laughs> yeah, my name's Stumpy, and they're, like, the opposite, <gasps> like, tall and skinny. Your name's Stumpy. Stumpy. I call my dog. Named him that. He wanted him to be short and ugly. Yeah, I call my dog that, but that's because his legs are literally like three inches long. (laughs) Yeah, it's an accurate description. Whoops. This is like tall, right? Yeah, Yeah. I think he's taller than. Was he taller than Verity, or was he like the same height? I think he's taller because he, everyone's always like, you have chivalry's height. And chivalry yeah. is the taller brother. Yeah, Verity, he's Verity's the oldest, the king. he's got to be the tallest. Because mm-hmm. that's how this works. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think he's like even on height with Kedrickin. And Kedrickin's supposed to be like tall, tall. She's supposed to be like a giant of a woman. Mm-hmm. And I never picture her that way. I picture her real delicate, even though she can like kill a bunch of men barefooted in the mountains winter. I picture her like Gwendolyn Christie, but with like a long blonde braid. I feel like I picture her like just sort of average height normally, but then whenever it comes to fighting, she suddenly becomes a ball player. Just like, <laughs> just like add two feet on her. She grows. I love that. It, it's it's like it, it's like the Adora Shira thing where she just like gains. Yes. Oh my god, I love that. I could see Kedrick in doing that. Speaking of Ketrigan, and a little bit sadder, but also a little bit weirder, um, we do have the scene where they talk about their child, and it is a very emotional scene, and it was really heartbreaking to read. And she names her, she names their son Sacrifice, mm-hmm. and it got me wondering. I wonder if she named their next son Dutiful after the fact that she was having sex with Fitz and that had something to do with like his duty to his king and his kingdom. 
And she's like, this was just, like, duty, but, like, it wasn't bad. I did, think... Does she ever know? I, do we ever get confirmation that she knew yeah. it was... Are you fucking kidding me? She has to know. Even with gloves on, Verity would not touch her. And then all of a sudden he goes in and attacks her like an animal. Like, you've got to be kidding me. She's not that dumb. When, like, when Fitz is on his vengeance tour, when he thinks that B is, like, dead and he's going to go destroy Claris, um, Petrican is basically knows it's kind of like a suicide mission and she says thank you for my son and he's like you knew and she's like yeah oh okay in fits in the fool but i think my theory is that um like verity walked into that tent like being fits and was like hey i know you see fits right now but i'm really verity and just straight up told her was like Let's bone. And she's like, all right. <laughs> so yeah, I think I told her know. something like that only the two of them would know Wait, in yeah, order to get her to like, do that. He, the, like, he has like a skill projection that. that he like looks like Verity. I thought it was like he just had like the presence of I... Verity despite being full in like Fitz's body. Yeah, the way that he like walked and carried himself was probably like was Verity. Really Verity, right. Well, and like Fitz doesn't know what happens and Fitz is like she, he must have disguised himself as, like, so that she saw Verity. And it's like, tell yourself whatever you need to tell yourself. Yeah. But, like, I think Petrican would have had to have some level of skill for Verity to, like, change his whole appearance in her eyes, wouldn't he? No. Well, that he does be- talk directly to her at their wedding, but I think that he wouldn't want to, like, trick her that way. He would want her to know exactly what's going on and be willing to do it herself, like, having thought through it, rather than doing it, like, a sneaky, tricky way. Like, that's just not Verity's style at all. Mm-hmm. And it's and not their marriage. Yeah, and if it was He's a trick, she for wouldn't... being honest. Yeah. Right. And if it was a trick, he she wouldn't have known. She yeah. knew. Mm-hmm. So. And that's why she named her kid Dutiful. She wanted him to do his duty because she had to do hers. She had to do hers by boning her hot nephew by marriage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just all one word. Nephew by marriage. That. I was going to say her hot nephew, and then I was like, I have to clarify. <laughs> I know. I was thinking the same thing. This is not Game of Thrones. Uh, if you're looking for that, that's the next podcast over, actually. It is, like, dutiful is his like cousin's son once again not entirely sure it was necessary for like this to be the route that things took but they did so i guess yeah. oops yeah my only two other notes are just about the fool um, yeah, just... mine are actually about the fool too mm-hmm. yeah I had like just lots of great quotes from the fool this chapter where it's like the sooner I find what I can and cannot do with my right hand the better he grinned wickedly and made a suggestive <laughs> gesture towards himself just mm-hmm. like I love and I love how like later on in the next series like the fool is just like so embarrassed like oh I was so like I was I was really growing up I was just be, I was such an adolescent back then <laughs> just like you reread all of this and it's like oh my god yeah. 
Um, and the other one, one it's a lot more serious of a line, but not really. But like it, it's a it's a line that has like lasting impact. It's like what call has a fool to be wise, and it's like I think that's the first time the fool like is basically like does the line of like I've never been wise essentially. Yeah. My notes. My first one was just I feel bad for the fool. Because Kettle insists that the fool must sleep on their back and, like, keep their bared fingers, like, upturned so that they don't touch anything. And Fitz says the fool usually slept huddled in a ball. He was not overly pleased. And I sleep like I'm doing a somersault. Like, I curl up so, so much so I can understand the fool's pain of, like, having to stretch out and, like, lay real rigid. I can't even imagine. That must suck. After my I had to sleep on my back for like two or like a month and a half or something and by the end of it I was like so grumpy like my mom stayed with me for the first like two weeks and I remember at one point just waking up and being like she was like what is wrong with you and I was like I want to sleep on my stomach oh my god I love that like, you get so sick of it. You're like, oh, I'm not comfortable. And you want, like, naturally you want to, like, find another position. And you can't. And then you're just, like, seething with rage. Yeah, that same thing actually happened to me when I broke my leg. I, like, had to sleep in my boot for, like, the first month or something. And I was, like, stuck, like, ramrod straight on my back with my leg propped up. And I could not move. And then if I tried to lay on my side, it would be, like, breaking my knee to, like, turn it. <laughs> the most uncomfortable thing in the world. I simply would not be able to sleep. I'm like, I like, I'm one of those horrible people who just like, tr- like rolls over and like moves around like completely while sleeping. So I would just be like all over the place. And that's what, reading that, I was like, oh God, like I would, like if I was a fool, fool, I would just like be rolling over, just like touching everything in my sleep. You'd be speckled in silver all the time. Yeah. My last note is about the fool's silvered fingers, and they say, um, I do not think I need fear much from natural things, only those that have been wrought by man. Then the threads go raveling out, but trees, I think, will be pleasant to touch. And, like, that's got to be why, I think that's got to be another really big factor in why the fool became a woodcarver in, like, live ships and why they continue to, like, do that kind of natural woodworking in tawny man because it must feel so cool to like like touch something and know what it should become and like what it wants to become Mm -hmm. it's like they were always good at carving and then this is just like the cherry on top yes that's what i was just gonna say so it's really cool that like it's kind of nice that they got that little power because i think it brings them joy and like just little ways and then it also helps them to carve paragon's face for sure mm-hmm. like i don't think there's any way that amber could have done that i mean yes amber could have done a, a good job but i don't think it would have been exactly what paragon needed i don't remember exactly but i think she does like that's the first time she takes off her gloves i think when she's carving yeah paragon. yeah i think in front of other people yeah mm-hmm. i think she only does it like in private otherwise mm-hmm. And then she's so mad when Paragon opens his eyes and they're blue. She's like, they're supposed to be brown. They're supposed to be brown. 
I love when everyone says like, oh, he's so handsome, but his nose is broken. Why'd you do that? She's like, his nose is perfect. Not fucking ruin his face for me. (laughs) This snappy sassiness is my fave. Okay, do we have any more notes for this chapter? Nope. Nope. Okay, so the last chapter for this section is chapter 35, Kettle Secrets. Um, So, this chapter is basically just, Fitz goes off on Kettle for for being cryptic, um, and then Kettle decides to finally reveal her backstory, um, and with the help of Fitz and the Fool uh, skilling into... uh, Kettle, they managed to unseal her skill and give her the ability to help out Verity to finally finish off the dragon. Finish it off like they're killing it. <laughs> finish him. Finish him! <laughs> Instead, they're doing it to life. So cute. I love when Fitz is going after Kettle and just like calling her on her bullshit. Like, I felt like a cheerleader on the sidelines, like, yes! <laughs> I was, I was like, yes, bitch, you tell her! <laughs> I like how we all had the same vibe. It's just like... Yeah. like It's satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're so used to Fitz being very, very polite to his elders and like always kind of backing down when someone is being like, don't pry, and he's like, okay, fine, like I won't. But the fi- like when it's the last straw, it's just like fucking finally. Like I've been waiting for you to do this all book, boy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is like, I feel like I completely didn't clock how important this was in the grand scheme of things the first time I read this book. But this is like the most significant act slash scene in the entire book. It's like it's what Fitz is here to do. Yeah, this is his catalyst moment for sure. Mm-hmm. And. It- I love, like, the full, like, throwing shade on Starling, like, Star- Starling never saw this, we won't understand it, but this is the most significant thing that anyone has done here. Yes. And the fool is the only one, I think, who can even say that, because they see, like, all of the possibilities and, like, threads that it's opened up that, like, him doing that has brought into the world. I thought it was interesting when um, someone, I don't remember if it's Kettle or the Fool, it must be Kettle, says something about like the prophet and the catalyst, and Verity says, ah, that old legend, my father was fond of it. And I remember an assassin, either Assassin's Apprentice or Royal Assassin, um, Shrewd was like asking the Fool, like, tell me what you've seen or something. And we were wondering, like, does how much does Shrewd know? Like, Shrewd must have known that the fool was a white prophet. Yeah. And I wonder if he knew even that, like, Fitz was the catalyst. I'm sure that the fool was the most open with Shrewd about everything. So whenever the fool had, like, some idea or theory, I bet they bounced it off of Shrewd to see, like, what he thought. And so he must know, and maybe that is what really got him started into, like, allowing Shade to train him and letting, like, that was probably the final straw that, like, pushed him to letting Galen train him too, or, like, giving him skill training. Like, 
I bet that the fool has more of a play in all of it than we thought. And that's why they feel so guilty for all of the things that happened to him in the previous books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like yeah. Trude would have more respect for Fitz, though, if he knew he was a catalyst. Or, like, maybe not even respect, but just to, like, be more careful with him. I feel like the yes. fool probably is just like, you should he... teach him a skill. He's going to do a thing. Without actually he... saying that, like, he's my catalyst. Yeah, I mean, Shrewd uses Fitz like a dirty towel. Like, he really just uses and abuses him as much as well, he can. I wonder if he does that because because he knows that Fitz is a catalyst and he just assumes that catalysts kind of have some sort of, like, immunity and they will survive anything because they have to, like, be around to fulfill all the processes prophecies that were like made about them I mean, and that's why he's like it's chivalry and rarity too so that's true it's yeah. just a great i bet like his parents did the same thing that in him yeah mm-hmm. if anything i kind of feel like shrewd would think he himself is the catalyst because he's like i've got the i've got the white prophet right here by my side i'm the king i can make things happen yeah i could see that <clears throat> Which, that would be interesting if we got to see more of that, like, because of how much responsibility Fitz feels sometimes for how things go, and contrasting that with how Shrewd feels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, I mentioned this earlier, but, like, my only other two notes in this chapter are just lines from The Fool, where he's like, you do love me. Um... I w- and then Fitz is like, I was incredulous. He had never truly believed it before. Before it was words. I always feared it was born of pity. But you are truly my friend. And I, I know, think that's it's sad. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because we talk about how the fool's love language is like words of affirmation. But it's just like, coming from Fitz, it's like, I don't trust this. Fitz, Fitz doesn't use words. <laughs> well, I think it also has to do with the trauma and abuse that they endured in Claris. Like, I think that Claris, like, instilled in the fool the belief that, like, no one truly is there for them and, like, no one will help them without having, like, an ulterior motive, even his, like, including his catalyst. Mm -hmm. And, like, being told that for years and years and years, I'm sure it definitely takes a toll on Someone, especially someone, like, who's in their formative years, like the fool was then. Right. And at Buckkeep, they kind of just always lab derision, so. Yeah. Yeah, they were totally ostracized, basically, even at Claris, because, like, when they first went to Claris, they were treated really well, but then as the prophecies, like, differed from what Claris wanted, they were, like ostracized there and tortured and whatever and then they escape go to buttkeep where they're ostracized again because they look different than everyone else i think the only place that the fool felt truly loved and welcomed and accepted before this like joining with fitz was with their parents it's just really sad i know Um, I think my only other two notes are about Night Eyes. When um, the fool 
touches Girl on the Dragon and, like, shrieks out and kind of, like, falls back, Night Eye says, what bit him? And, I don't know, I just thought that was really cute that that's, like, Night Eye's version of an injury or a threat. Like, if someone <laughs> screams out, he's like, obviously someone got bit by something. Yes. Is it a porcupine? Is it in your nose? I was thinking, like, earlier, I was like, it's just something in the past. It's not a porcupine quill in your... Like, like when Fitz was, yeah. like, running away because of his trauma. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think Night Eyes is so sweet. And I love, like, I feel like in this book, we really get to see how protective Night Eyes is over the people that he cares about. Because, like, he yeah. does that for Fitz. And he, like, is like, do you want me to kill everyone in this room? Because I will. And then he is always taking care of, like, Ketrikin and going after her and being that comfort for her. And even with the fool, he's like, got to make sure that everything's okay. It's nice to see his little pack grow because at first it's just him and Fitz. And then it's him and Fitz and heart of the pack. And now it's like his world has expanded. So it's like Ketrickin and the fool. Like he's so excited when the fool can finally hear him. And he calls him little brother. He doesn't call anybody ever little brother besides Fitz. So fucking cute. He says, my kill is ever your kill, and we shall be pack forever. I know. <laughs> I cried. That was so fucking cute. Especially when you think about how at the very end, the pack is those three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, they are pack forever. I freaking love that so much. One of my notes was about Night Eyes 2, but it's like Fitz is telling Kettle or Kestrel, um, forgive yourself and let the part of her within you live again. Let yourself live again. And then Kettle is like, she's within me? And Fitz is like, most certainly I see her, I feel her, it must be so. And like, that is a direct mirror to kind of Night Eyes and Fitz in the last trilogy too. He doesn't realize that Night Eyes is living within him until, like, he really has to, like, at the end. And then once he acknowledges it, it's like he was always there. One thing I just, like, I don't know, maybe I'll understand it more when we get there. But I always just struggle a little bit with night eyes being wolf father when Fitz isn't there yeah like it's like a a completely separate entity that b can see and communicate (laughs) with but Fitz has no idea about but it's like part of Fitz but Fitz isn't even there i don't know yeah. It's kind of a minor. It probably felt to me. like plot convenience. Or like not nice. Yeah, it felt like plot convenience. It felt like it yeah. felt like she was just like, I want Night Eyes back. And Don't I mean, we all who can blame her? Which yeah, like I mean same. But well, it could be you know how like Verity lives in the Skill River now. Like once he goes into the dragon, he kind of like lives in the skill. I wonder mm-hmm. if the part of Night Eyes that moved on and didn't stay within Fitz, like, tucked inside him, is the part that becomes Wolffather. And because it is a separate entity, and it's not 
the part of Night Eyes in Fitz that's, like, attached to him still. It's the part that, like, lives kind of in the Skill River or wherever, like, the rest of the souls go when they die. That would and make that's sense. why Fitz, like, can't attach to it. And because B is so sensitive to the skill, it would make sense that she can, she would call out and, of course, Night Eyes would come. He'd be like, that's my cub. Um, right. immediately be called back from the skill river to her mm. yeah that makes sense yeah that's one of the few things in the series where like I don't think too hard about it I'm just like it's, it's there and right. it makes, her, it makes yeah. her a better story slash better moments so I'm not gonna right. look too deep into it slash I missed Night Eyes and I'm just yeah. happy that he's here again mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting though to try and like dissect it Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll get there. Like, it'll be cool to read. I feel like there are so many little things that we missed that it'll, like, click into place and we'll be like, oh, my God, this is genius. And it'll just, like, hit us one time. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, I don't have anything else here. Did you guys? My last one is just, um, Fitz completely stopped having skill headaches. Like, he used all of his skill to awake in like kettle skill and all he does is sleep forever and like he wakes up and feels fine mm-hmm. so yeah. stop using fucking elf bark because it's not working for you you don't need it Agreed. it's just really bad at seeing cause and effect yeah that's yeah, the truth. he really is he really is that's the fucking truth with that that's the end of this episode right on two hours let's go um <laughs> yay and yeah uh next time we'll be back for the final episode of this book maybe <laughs> depending on how we might have it's it's scheduled out as the last episode of the book we might have because of how much happens in the last few chapters and look barely anything happens this second we all and we all got to two hours so depending yeah. on how stuff goes next recording session it'll either be the penultimate or the last episode but it's either way it's the last uh six chapters of the book in which everything happens all at once so it's gonna be <laughs> exciting um, big time so yeah uh, see you all then but till next week bye bye <laughs>